Welcome to Who's Left Podcast, a show about Indiana politics, history, and culture from the unapologetic perspective of the Hoosier left. My name is Scott Aaron Rogers, and I'm broadcasting from Bloomington. Today, I've got a great interview with Chelsea McDonald, founder of Mad Voters Indiana. We talk about channeling our disgust with our Republican supermajority state government, our breaking points, and turning righteous anger into productive action. But first... If you enjoy the Who's Left podcast, I also write a Who's Left newsletter at scotteronrogers.substack.com. There you will find essays, campaign finance research, and the podcast archives. Please subscribe, and if you can, consider becoming a paid subscriber. Either way, please share with your fellow Hoosiers. I also cross-post all of these on the Who's Left Facebook page if that is your platform of choice. Personally, you can find me at scottraj78, that's S-C-O-T-T-R-O-G-7-8, on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool formerly known as Twitter. Speaking of Elon Musk's mirror world and disinformation funhouse, if you've spent any time there since the South African apartheid emerald mine Nepo baby acquired the place, you may have a hard time telling truth from fiction anymore. Frankly, zooming out to look at the entirety of our fractured media space, it's a small miracle between all of the rage bait, opinion as fact pieces, fake news and misinformation that any of us can even maintain our sanity. Such is the result of 40 plus years of neoliberalism, sometimes known as Austrian economics, Chicago School, Reaganomics, or Thatcherism. Old Maggie Thatcher said, quote, Economics are the method. The object is to change the soul. End quote. In that regard, it has been highly successful. From a 2021 paper published in the British Journal of Social Psychology, quote, Despite suggestions that this political philosophy might promote individual well-being because it encourages people to strive for personal growth, we found that it actually appears to be harmful to health because it can create a sense of being disconnected from others, as well as being in competition with them in ways that feed feelings of loneliness and social isolation. Unquote. Neoliberalism has certainly changed our souls. It's broken them. British writer George Monbiot describes the phenomenon thusly in uh, a Guardian article from 2016. Quote, It seems to me that the underlying cause is everywhere the same. Human beings, the ultra-social mammals, whose brains are wired to respond to other people, are being peeled apart. Economic and technological change play a major role, but so does ideology. Though our well-being is inextricably linked to the lives of others, Everywhere, we are told that we will prosper through competitive self-interest and extreme individualism. End quote. Social media was supposed to bring us together, but it has largely served to make us worse. We curate our lives to display only the good stuff, comparing ourselves to others who are doing the same. Our friends and follower counts a visible measurement of perceived social value. We rage at strangers through a veil of anonymity. 
young women increasingly suffer from anxiety, depression, phobias, obsessive compulsive, uh, compulsive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Young men become increasingly radicalized, possessed by anger, before succumbing to loneliness, addiction, or far too often suicide. In another remark from the previously mentioned 2021 study, quote, Under neoliberalism, economic disparities are seen as accurate reflections of differences in hard work and deservingness, and the neoliberal age has seen a corresponding rise in inequality, unquote. That is to say, we blame ourselves and others for our conditions, despite the fact those conditions are largely the result of a broken system. Drowning in debt? That's your fault. Unemployed? Your own fault. Homeless? Your own fault. Totally doesn't have anything to do with the ownership class, having spent the last 50 years slashing the social safety net and dismantling the foundations of collective action. Here! Buy stuff. Consume. It'll make you feel better, I promise. And it might for a while. Then the emptiness creeps back in. Rinse and repeat. They think I'm crazy, but I know better. It is not I who am crazy. It is I who am mad. A quote, often falsely attributed to Mark Twain or Winston Churchill, goes... A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its boots. In the digital age, this is more true than ever. Russian intelligence services call the technique firehose of falsehood. American fascist political advisor Steve Bannon calls it flooding the zone with shit. We're not crazy. We've been lied to repeatedly at scale. And it is normal and right to feel outraged. No less authority on detached calm than the Dalai Lama himself agrees. Quote, Suffering should make us angry. This type of anger moves us toward a wrathful compassion to take action to end suffering. Here, the issue is how to deal with anger. There are two types of anger. One type arises out of compassion. That kind of anger is useful. Anger that is motivated by compassion or a desire to correct social injustice and does not seek to harm the other person is a good anger that is worth having. Anger brings more energy, more determination, more forceful action to correct injustice. The deep motivation is compassion, but it takes anger as the means to accomplish its end. End quote. My guest today... Chelsea McDonnell, offers a great example of taking that good anger, triggered by injustice and rooted in compassion, and turning it into energy, determination, and action. Here's my interview with Chelsea. Chelsea McDonnell, welcome to the Who's Left podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, Chelsea, you are with Mad Voters Indiana. Tell us about your organization. Absolutely. We are a social advocacy organization. We work really hard to break down legislative education, make it really easy for people to understand. That is ultimately our biggest goal because information is 
sometimes hard to find. And we have to bridge that gap for people and meet them where they are instead of expecting people to know where to go. So that's our, our biggest thing as an organization. But we also, we really try to educate people on the things that are going on so that they can take action to move progressive legislation forward. Our organization is very progressive. We have values that we follow that are all about equity and equality in Indiana. So, you know, we're here to protect the people, basically. Oh, uh, that is fantastic. Is, is, is Mad Voters a national organization or is this uh, Indiana specific? This is Indiana specific right now, but we're hoping that we're able to set the organization up well enough to where people in other states could adopt what we're doing as well. So, um, you know, we have people working with us on that to try to break things down in an easy to understand format for other people. Okay, fantastic. And um, are you one of the the founders? Yes. Of uh, Mad Butters? Yes. Okay. So that leads me to ask, what was your moment? Like, what made you mad? enough to be the mad voter, you know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was raised by a, um, a ball-busting liberal feminist who was mad a lot at the injustices in the world. And so, you know, I've kind of had that in me my whole life to where I've been uh, capable of seeing the injustice and feeling for people so that there's always been that little bit of like, I'm I'm a little pissed. I'm a little I'm a little upset at what's going on. But ultimately, for Mad Voters to come to fruition was the fall of Roe. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've always been involved in my community, an activist, an organizer, and this brought me and some other people together that I would have otherwise never met. And we were all very upset. And we realized during this time when we were trying to get information out to people, there was such a wall. It was hard to reach people. People had no idea what was going on. Like there were people who didn't even know that row had fell. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, we really have a responsibility to work hard to make sure people know what's happening. Otherwise, you know, if you don't know that abortion's illegal, you don't realize that you don't have options. This could lead to just horrible things. And we understood that. We saw that. And we really felt like the biggest thing that we could do is work on meeting people where they were. And that's why we work so hard to push things out on social media, through email. Mm -hmm. Me in particular, I am really, really big into events and just showing up to any community thing that I can and just talking to people and helping them make connections so that it makes sense to them and they can advocate for themselves better. Yeah, that's great. You know, like um, the fall of Roe was my moment to like January 6th was like, hey, you need to start paying closer attention. I was already kind of a politics and history junkie, but like January 6th is like, hey, something's going on here, like under the hood. Um, and then when we when we get to the fall of Roe, and we could see, you know, you could see it coming from when Alito was appointed to the court 
20 years ago. Um, but, but Scott, you're a guy. Why do you care, right? My wife cried when she, when she heard about it. And my wife doesn't really pay attention to a lot of politics because, you know, it would drive her crazy if she did. Um, but it, it, it really upset her. And we've got a 15-year-old daughter. And God knows what could happen. And, and that's when I knew it's like, okay, you're jamming your head full of books and podcasts to learn about what's going on. It's time to start or stop consuming and start doing something. Um, and so, Hey, that's, that's how Chelsea and I are together here today. (laughs) Yeah, that was, um, that was really hard. And, Myself and the other founders of Mad Boaters, I mean, we found ourselves at the state house almost every day during the that session. And we we tried to make our voices heard as much as possible, speaking. We were out talking to people, getting people to sign petitions. And it <sighs> there's a couple ways of looking at it emotionally. One, it was devastating and we were all hurting so bad. But at the same time, the amount of people who came together in that moment in Indiana was something that I hadn't really seen before. And it was very empowering. It made me feel definitely much less alone, especially since, you know, it, since 2016, things have just been so muddled. And, you know, people just, they've been quiet at least the side who cares more because they're scared. You know, they don't want to be lashed out by the scary people. So having so many people come together and be so vocal and all kinds of people and, you know, religious institutions, even that was very nice to see it. Our communities really needed to see that. And I think that that is something that has really set a lot of things in motion. And a lot of people in Indiana are much more aware of what's happening. Ultimately, I think that they made a terrible decision in many ways. Yes. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you, you were encouraged, you said, to see like Indiana starting to wake up. It was, it was my first protest last um, summer at the State House. I, I was on their uh, opening day of the special session. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the only day I could make it. But it's it's the first time I was like, okay, hey, I got to do something. And I bet there were a lot of other people there just like me. And and you're right. We're 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 getting there. So I wanted to ask you about that. You said you do uh, a lot of, you know, in person going to community community events and stuff. And that's your thing. So, like, what's um, not just at protests, obviously. We know what the mood's going to be there, but what's the mood when you're just out in the community? Well, I will say things are very different now. Um, I am experiencing things this year that I have never experienced in politics before. And I will give you very specific instances because it's amazing. When I'm at like pride events, for example, I'm asking young people, hey, are you registered to vote? And for the first time ever, I'm getting the reaction of, well, of course I am. 
And I'm like, that's wonderful. And then it's a matter of, are you talking to your friends about it? Are you talking to your family about it? Here, take this QR code and give it to your friends and have them register, have them check their registration. And, you know, you go much more into depth with these kids, but having them react like that. And, you know, especially at Pride events, they understand that right now, this is a matter of life and death for some people. Yeah. The attack on people with a uterus and the uh, queer community, the LGBTQ community, it's unprecedented and people are scared. And, you know, what I always say is, are you an ally? You know, this is what I say to people who are like, no, you know, I'm not really interested in voting, which I get. It's disenfranchisement is very, very real. And I always ask them, well, do you consider yourself an ally? And of course they say, well, yeah, okay, but are you an ally if you are not doing the things that is required of you to save these people's lives? And then I say, it's not enough to be an ally. We have to be co-conspirators. There has to be action. Sharing a rainbow flag on your Facebook page and saying you're safe here and I love you, that's wonderful, but it's not enough. It's not enough at all. And there are a million ways that you can get involved. And, you know, sharing that flag or sharing these nice sentiments, that's wonderful. But share information. That's really what we need. Um, so what other kind of uh, community events do you get out to? Oh, goodness. Um, honestly, I just I really just try to do anything that I can. Um you know, especially anything that has to do with supporting minorities in our communities, because that if we're going to talk about equality and equity, we have got to start there. I mean, we have to. We will never be equal if we don't first raise the voices of our minorities. And so that's a really big thing to me. Not only am I trying to educate myself on these different cultures, but I also want to make sure that these people know that there are people here who care, that want them to use their voice and let them know that their voice matters. You know, whatever kind of disenfranchisement they've experienced, there's another side to that and we can come out the other side together. So that's, you know, that's really important to me. Um, any kind of fair or festival that I can attend, um, you know, I really enjoy like the indivisible uh, stuff, um, really just as much as I can get out to. I mean, especially in my community, I live in Muncie and we have an amazing community here of very kind, generous people. And I love spending my time with them, raising their voices up. But I also do everything that I can to show up to neighborhood things and um, especially in certain parts of the city where, you know, we have really high poverty here. So it's really important for me to be there and letting people know the resources available to them and, you know, how they can get in contact with the right people. So, you know, really, ultimately, I just want to be out in whatever community I'm welcome to and learning from the people and hopefully giving them the tools that they need to empower themselves. So, I mean, sounds like you're you're going to be coming across like a really diverse crowd with a diverse viewpoint and people from all over. Um, 
you know, are are you starting to see like people who would call themselves Republicans or conservatives, uh, or even like people who were Trump people? Are you starting to see them be like, hey, something ain't right with with my party? Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely seeing that. And honestly, I take every opportunity that I can to speak with the Republicans. Um, Some of the Republicans running for city council in my town, I contacted and asked them, will you come and have coffee with me so I can ask some questions? And I got a couple of them to do so. And both of them were very much like, this is this has gone too far. The one went as far as to say, I don't care what anybody else does in their home and their life. As long as it's not hurting me and my family, you know, it's none of my business. And especially right now, I really respect that. And I was very specific with this person. How do you feel about transgender? And, you know, how do you feel about this? And they... Again, it's not my business. And that's what we need to hear. We need to hear, you know, there is a conservative that we can respect. You know, there is a type of conservatism that we can respect. What's happening now is not conservatism. It is it is something completely different. I there really is no words for what is happening right now. But I do definitely see that kind of shift. And and I'm going to say this and go as far as to say that, that term rhino, that's what these people are, the people who are no longer aligning with this, um, you know, I'll say MAGA agenda, these types right. of, of agendas, extremist agendas, they are separating themselves from that. However, they're not being vocal enough. Talking to me at a coffee shop and and answering my questions, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing to be on your social media and say, yeah, this is not something that I follow or believe in. Because people need to see that. And I think people who vote Republican need to see that. We have a lot of moderate Republicans here. And they're like, what am I supposed to do? And at this point, it's like, well, you know, maybe just don't vote. If you if you can't vote for the other side, you know, maybe maybe just, you know, back off for now and, Mm -hmm. you know, let other people make some choices that are better for the majority. Yeah. Well, you know, you walked into exactly what I wanted to talk about. So thank you, by the way. Um, (laughs) The. MAGA movement are not conservatives and you hear them called like you know, fairy conservative or ultra conservative or they're not trying to conserve anything. They're trying to blow things up. They are not conservatives. They are radical accelerationist nihilists. Yeah. Um, They can't even conserve their dignity. I mean, (laughs) and so really, you know, as a, as a progressive and, you know, I'm, 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 out there on the left flank of the Democratic Party. Very much in the party. If you hit tanky, you've gone too far. But um, I can work with conservatives because really all liberals and conservatives are arguing about is the speed and the how 
of change. And MAGA are not interested in that. They're interested in blow everything up. Um, and th they're mad voters too. They're a different kind of mad voters, right? Um, it's like how they're right to be angry. Um, they're angry at the wrong things. They're angry at the wrong people, but they're right to be angry. Um, how can we maybe harness some of that anger and direct it towards something constructive? Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fixer. I, I am a contractor slash handyman by day. You know, um, I repair things. The, there's a lot wrong in this country. The foundation is not great. You know, it's built... The, the house is built upon white supremacy. There's a lot of rot. Um, but there's also a lot of good bones. And that stuff's worth saving, and we need to take on a... Uh, thoughtful renovation, not an explosion. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if we could go back to those bones, but take it for what it is instead of warping it to fit our different agendas, we do have a great foundation. Um, you know, it, we can save things. We can turn things around for sure. We just have to be mindful and we have to stay the course. And, you know, that can be hard. And definitely for anybody who watches this, make sure that you take time for yourself and don't burn out. It is okay to take a week off and just unplug it. You have to be able to do that because this is a long fight. This, we have to be in this for the long haul. This is mm -hmm. our lives. So it, yeah, we definitely need to be talking about it every chance that we get. You know, I make it a habit. Anytime that I'm talking to somebody in public, I talk just a little louder than I necessarily need to. <laughs> and hope that the people at the table next to me will hear me because I don't ever say anything. I'm not a mean person. I don't go around talking crap about people and saying mean things about people. I do everything that I can to encourage people. So like if I know that there's some guys at a table next to me and one of them has, you know, a, a Confederate flag on his hat or something like that, mm. you know, I'll say things. And my husband is such a good uh, responder to these things because he knows exactly what I'm doing. I'll say things like it's OK to be uneducated on something or ignorant about something like that's OK because we learn and we grow and we become better people. And, you know, I'm saying things like this so that these people hear it is OK to make mistakes like you can't yep. change what you came from. That, you know, but you can grow, you can learn and you can grow and you can have empathy. It doesn't make you anything bad that makes you better. So it's 
and, and I encourage other people to do this. I know it, it can be hard. I actually have really bad anxiety, but I've gotten to the point over these last few years that that doesn't matter. You know, I'm just going to have to get over that. Even if, I, you know, my legs are shaking a little bit or my hands are shaking a little bit, I'm going to do what I know that I have to do. And it's because I'm privileged enough to do that. I know that I'm capable of saying things that some other people are not. And I have to take advantage of that right now. I'm not going to have this kind of energy forever. So it it's now or never for me. And I, I really want other people to start thinking of it that way, too. We're leaving behind a country that is not good for our kids and that's something that we have to change now if we truly care about this next generation and future generations yeah yeah we really have to um undertake that that rebuild and get on it um quickly because the whole thing is in danger of falling over right um you were talking about our privilege and being able to say things that other people aren't quite allowed to say. And that's one of the things I want to talk about was, um, especially like cis het white guys like me. Um, not only are we allowed to be angry, that's kind of like the only emotion we're allowed to have. Um, so, you know, I want to, I guess in, in, encourage us number one, like harness that and, 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 and be thoughtful and think about why you're angry and who you're angry at and maybe why you're angry at them and not somebody else. Um, but then it, uh, harness that anger for something constructive, right? Like don't destroy, like it, it's, it's, it's time to build. It's time to build. It's, yeah, absolutely. And it's okay for us to be angry. It, somebody needs to be, you know, I mean, for me, I'm I'm tired and I'm angry. I've been trying to help people my whole life and I'm putting band-aids on things other people broke. That That's not right. And there's so many people out there like me. And, and that's a big thing about starting Mad Boaters is I want to be able to get past that it yeah it's just i don't know there's sometimes i can't even think of words to describe all of this honestly um and then i just words disappeared so between there not being words that really can describe it and me losing my words <laughs> that's uh well the I, I kind of feel like, and we talked about this a little bit before we uh, started recording that that the 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 purpose of the the far right and MAGA and all the the, the misinformation disinformation is to slowly drive us crazy, so we don't have the words to describe what's going on, so we don't know truth from fiction, um, and and it's in the times like these where we need to hold on to each other and 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 take care of each other um because the goal is essentially to drive us crazy and isolate us right and and i really want people to consider please go and look at 
Nazi propaganda. Really go and look at the stuff that they were putting out. What is happening right now is very similar. There are people who know that there are Americans who are focused into certain things, certain channels, certain ways of gathering information, and they're taking advantage of that and putting things out that are just straight lies. And this is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. <laughs> you know, people sometimes I'm talking about fascism and they're like, whoa, no, go and look. I was very kind of obsessed with the Holocaust when I was in school. It was something that I just felt so emotionally attached to um, because of just how sorrowful and terrible it was. Like, I just, I felt like this responsibility to learn as much as I could in honor of the victims. And so I spent a lot of time researching it. And and sometimes I'm sitting here and I'm going, gosh, this, it, it it's, you know, an updated, elevated version because we have access to things all the time at our fingertips. But it is, it is scary like that. And there are a lot of similarities. And I really, really encourage people to look into that. If, if you're thinking, oh, no, that that couldn't happen here and there's nothing like that going on truly look into it and you'll see for yourself just how scary it is it's it's absolutely um just like that um the all things old are new again right and uh the 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 far right the steve bannons and uh his ilk um the the murdochs are using the Nazi playbook. You know, it's glossy and slick now, and, you know, sand off the rough edges, but um, it's it's divide and conquer, and um, America's not immune to it. We had a, a very active fascist movement in this country before Pearl Harbor, uh, which, you know, at that point kind of had to, you know, tuck their tail and run, but um, <laughs> they were there. They were there. They filled Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and and those people are around still in numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we need to be very mindful of. It's something we have to constantly and consistently fight against. And that's where the information comes in. If people don't have the proper information, they don't have it. You know, and even if they don't want to believe it, they need to hear it over and over and over again because they're hearing the other side over and over and over again. So, yeah, I mean, we just we really need to be talking about it all the time. And, you know, I think it's really important to point out, you know, to Hoosiers that you as as like, let's say, um, a poor white family. As a poor white family, you may be getting like a little bit of lift from white supremacy because it keeps you above others, but you're still down at the bottom and they're still going to keep you at the bottom. Like you might feel like you're on top of other people, but you're still way down there. And like we need to understand that and see that for what it is. It's not the minorities that we need to be mad at. It's it's not them. We need to look to who's controlling everything. You know, I read recently that three corporations own 
80% of the Fortune 500 companies. And you can go oh, oh, uh, yeah, the, the big, uh, the big, uh, like, um, the funds like Vanguard, BlackRock. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you look at that and you should be able to know right away who's running things and who owns America and who owns Americans. I mean, ultimately, it, that's what it what it comes down to. And people need to see that for what it is and turn their attention to the right thing. Like, we are brothers, sisters and others. It's we are family. We are all connected and we need to be looking out for each other instead of trying to step on each other to get to the top of the bottom. <laughs> that's nowhere to be. It's not fair to anybody. So, yeah, I just I wish I wish we would stop fighting. I wish the divisiveness, even within the the causes that people are all on the same page. That's what ultimately destroys it is the ego and the divisiveness. And we have to figure out how to fix that so that we can move forward. Yeah, because we generally do all agree, right? Like you were, you said, like all of the, 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 the progressive position on just about any contentious issue in this country is the popular position and not just by a little, like two thirds to three quarters of Americans favor at least some kind of abortion rights. Um, the vast majority of even NRA members favor, uh, sensible gun restrictions, uh, the, the thing that keeps us from enacting the popular agenda is big money. And it's always been big money and big money owns pretty much the entire Republican party. Well, and then you look at the fact that money is everything you can't even get out of your house without spending money, which puts people in poverty at such a huge disadvantage of being able to participate in civic responsibility. It, you know, <laughs> money is, it controls everything. And I mean, there are days when I'll look at my husband and I'm just like, I hate money. I hate money so much. You know, we choose to live a more humble life because we want our time to go to more important things than working and, and making money. But it's hard. It's hard sometimes because it money is everything. You can't leave your house without spending $25, it seems. And a lot of people don't have all to spend. It's you know, our grocery bills have doubled. It, money just rules our lives. And, you know, it, people look at other people who have a little bit more money and it makes them feel bad or, you know, they're either they're jealous or they feel ashamed. There's just so many emotions tied up in finances. And it's something that I think is really killing a lot of people. It's just so stressful. Yeah, and I and the you know the the billionaires the ownership class has spent the last fifty years just telling us that this is the natural state of things. This is the way things should be. Like uh, free market economics, let capitalism run wild, was handed down from on the mountain by God, and that is just simply not true. These are policy choices. It didn't used to always be this way, and it doesn't have to be this way. 
yeah i mean can we just stop with the nepotism and <laughs> you know what i mean like can we just we have to find ways to break these cycles um you know earlier we kind of talked about generational stuff we especially like our generation i feel like we broke a lot of generational curses and so we as humans are breaking these generational curses and progressing as humans. Like we have a generation of kids who are thoughtful and kind and care about the earth and and things like this. And it's because we raised them better than our parents raised us. And so we have to figure out ways to integrate that into other things that we do. These generational curses and these corporate curses, like we have to find ways to break these. And as the people, we have that opportunity. We just have to come together and do the damn thing. Did we raise our kids to be too thoughtful and kind? Like, <laughs> they, like hey, no, no, now we need to be angry. <laughs> like, right. You know, there's there's a lot about that, you know, and and gosh, I hear it all the time, especially from older people that, oh, you know, this generation, they lie and they don't care about anything and they're mean and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to take an opportunity to say there are children who are a little out of control and it's because their parents are forced to work all the time. Mm -hmm. They don't have a village there like we used to have. It's different now because parents are living paycheck to paycheck, figuring out which parent isn't going to eat that night to make sure the kids get enough. And we've got teenagers going to work to help mom and dad pay bills and lots of single parents. And it's not that these kids are bad. It's that we're running out of ways to support them. And between that and then the other kids who are lucky enough to have parents that can really invest time in them it, it, it's a it's a new generation you know and we have to find ways to figure that out and better the situation for these kids and that starts with giving parents support and schools support because mm -hmm. you know School sometimes is the only place that children feel safe and get a meal. So it's really, really important that we have support in place for those kids at school. And we don't, not at all. And so it's just a whole new generation and we have screwed them. We have screwed them so bad. Um, you know, me and you. I blame our parents. <laughs> I mean, honestly, really, you know, I, I was part of the latchkey generation. I, mm -hmm. you know, I took care of myself and had to figure things out for myself. And so as a parent, I didn't want that to happen. I give my kids a lot of room to learn and experience things. But at the same time, I always make sure that I am here for support. And they know that. They know that they can come to me and that I'll take the time. And, you know, I it was important to me to make sure that I did that. And that's why, you know, we work the way that we work and we do the things that we do. We figured out what worked for our family and it's worked out. And a lot of people don't have that opportunity, including my mom, you know, as a single. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my cat is <laughs> my computer. Hey, it wouldn't be a podcast. No, somebody's cat hopping on a keyboard, right? Yeah, he's obsessed with my computer. But, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's definitely a very interesting new generation, but we have to figure out the best ways to support them. 
And yes, these very sensitive kids at the, like at one on one hand, they are very sensitive because we've allowed them to have that safe space with us. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of these kids have that safe space with each other because of that. We definitely have to help them channel those feelings of empathy you know just you know and i think that they do i mean you see these young kids in these protests for climate change and you know just the other week a bunch of them got arrested 18 19 year olds because they would not budge and that like i get goosebumps every time i think about it because that's that's in their hearts this generation it they feel it so completely they know they're in danger and and they want us to listen and we have a responsibility to listen this is their future i'm halfway through my life if we're talking about american averages Mm -hmm. i you know they have a lot more life to live it is our responsibility to make sure they have the support to have a good future yeah uh i kind of feel like our generation uh, you know very well could be like the 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 last one hanging on to some privilege and the, I guess, Im- implicit desire is to pull up the ladder after you, right? Like, oh crap, things are bad. We're going to, we're going to turn, we're going to look inward. We're going to put up walls. We're going to circle the wagons and we're, we're not going to cooperate with each other. And we, especially those of us who have been privileged enough to have some sort of toehold in what's left of the middle class need to need to keep the ladder there for people and help out yeah not only that we need to either be down at the bottom of that ladder supporting mm. it or we need to be up at the top and probably both making sure that our hand is down at all times and lifting people up and lifting each other up. We don't we don't have a choice. And I think that people who like work within my organization and work with our organization, they understand that. And there's a lot of coalition building going on right now, and that needs to continue. And, you know, there's still a lot of ego associated in some organizations and in politics and there's no space for that right now you know it's it's not about who does what first it's about when somebody is doing something you get up and you support them and you jump on board and you push together because we make the biggest difference when we all do it together it's you know i can talk as much as i want as loud as i want it's not going to change anything unless other people are doing the same yes um togetherness community i think that that's almost the entire platform we have to do it together we can't do it alone no Uh, we have to let go of our bias and our need for control you know i try to go into everything that i can without any ego and you know that's how we run our organization it you know, when we first got together, we were like, we're not going to spend our money on a bunch of fancy stuff. Like, this isn't what we're about. We want to make sure that we're making a difference and putting everything where it needs to be. And I think everybody really needs to think about it that way. Like, drop the ego, drop the need to be in control and to be the best of the best all the time. We can be better together. So if you want to be your best, 
get on board. Fantastic. So um, where can people get on board the Mad Voters train? Well, gosh, you can find us all over the web. We're on like all the social media outlets. We have our website, madvoters.org. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter. We send it out every Sunday, and it is mostly to keep people up to date on what's happening in Indiana. We post about events. During the legislative session is really when you want to get on board with the newsletter, because not only are we putting information out on our social media, but emailing people as much as possible to make sure that they are in the know of what's happening, especially with this last session. This last session was brutal. You guys and did such a great job covering this last session. I thank you. Thank stuff. you. Yeah. It, it was, I won't say it was easy, but with the amazing help of some volunteers and I mean, Hoosiers are just, we're top-notch people. Let me just tell you. I mean, it, it looks bad from the outside, but there are top-notch people here. And because of those top-notch people, we were able to really bang that out and get real, understandable information out there. And, you know, we use a lot of graphics because you have to understand in Indiana, we have a literacy issue. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you can read and write. You still deserve the information. You have rights to that. And it is important that we try to get that information out to as many people as possible. So we try to use the graphics to make it easier to understand. Um, and that's just, it's just so important. Uh, so that's a really big thing that we do. So definitely during the legislative session, if you want all of these bills that have to do with equity and equality in Indiana, stay up to date with us because we're going to let you know what's happening because we care. And you need to know when they're being sneaky because they love sneaking things into other bills when another bill has died. So. Um, and we're always going to be encouraging people to speak up at the state house. You have opportunities to talk to your legislators, not just during session, but you can make appointments with them. And and that's great. They need to hear. They, you know, there are some legislators that aren't going to listen because they they have their minds made up and they've been bought and paid for. But it it doesn't matter. You still show up. You still let them know. I am not happy with your actions. It is important for you to use your voice in that way. Because even if that person's not listening, there are people who know you did that and they're going to step up and do the same or they're going to talk about it and they're going to inspire somebody else to step up and do the same. This is a chain reaction. That's why it's so important to talk and show up because what we do matters. Somebody has seen what we did and they're going to show up or they're going to help other people show up. So... You know, we really encourage you to get in contact with your legislators. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we post about our events and stuff. We would love for people to come out and, and talk with us and meet with us. I love talking to people. Um, you know, sometimes people have to shut me down because I'm talking too much. But, <laughs> but I really enjoy it. And I love listening. I will say I really do love learning from the people who I come into contact with. And you can reach out to us anytime. We are always happy to help you understand what's happening. And right now, um, we usually recommend using like Vote 411 to find out more about your elections. But right now, their website is not updated. And it's even telling people there's no election in your area, even when there is. Really? And so, 
Yeah, we're asking people not to use that right now. If you have questions about who's running in your area, we are happy to help you find that out and even help you figure out how you can connect to those people so that you can contact them yourself and ask them the questions that are important to you. I mean, we're always happy to do that for people. And, you know, it's it brings us a lot of joy to be able to connect people to that information. So definitely reach out to us if you have questions about any election that's going on. We'll do our best to help you with that. And we enjoy it. So don't feel like you're putting too much on us. Yeah, so we're uh, recording this on October 15th. We're only a few weeks out from uh, municipal elections here in Indiana. Uh, um, where, uh, where are you going to be? Where can people see you? What do you got going on in those couple weeks? Well, um, we have a few things going on. One, actually on Wednesday, we're going to be at the State House for Period Action Day. Hey everybody, Scott popping in here. Uh, this episode will post after Period Action Day, uh, which was Wednesday, October 18th. Uh, to see pictures from the event, go to the Mad Voters Instagram page. You can also still help. Um, there is an Amazon wish list for feminine hygiene products. Go to tinyurl.com slash period wish list. For more information on Period Action Day in general, uh, go to period.org or periodlaw.org. Back to the interview. And this is all about period equity and just taking a step towards equity in general in Indiana. Like we understand that eliminating sales tax from period products is not going to solve period poverty but it is a small step in the right direction. And as long as we keep pushing, we're gonna make things happen. So definitely, if you're able to come and see us on Wednesday, it's gonna be amazing. We have amazing speakers. We have a professor who actually works within period poverty. This is what she teaches. This is what she's passionate about. This is an opportunity to really learn. We're going to be hearing from Shelly Yoder, who is an amazing senator from Indiana. She's uh, from Bloomington. She is and if you know anything about Bloomington, you know how progressive it is. And she is just as progressive and just such a, a delight to be around and to work with. And so she's going to be talking not just about the legislation that she's tried to put through in the past, but the legislation that she's working on this year to once again try to eliminate sales tax from certain necessities. Mm -hmm. We're going to hear from Sue Arrington, which if people don't know who Sue Arrington is, please look this powerhouse of a woman up. She has been fighting for years and years and years for equality and equity within Indiana. And she really has all my respect. And I'm always excited to hear her speak. Jennifer McCormick is going to come and speak. And then we have somebody actually from period law flying in from New York to come and speak to us about how these laws work and what we can do to affect change. So we're really excited and we're going to have some finger foods and some games and trivia. And we even have a period cramp simulator machine. And we have invited all the male legislators to come and join us. <laughs> so we'll see. we'll see who shows up. That, <laughs> that sounds... Uh, like a great time for a great cause. That's Wednesday at the State House. Uh, go on down to see 
Mad Voters for Period Action Day, and um, be sure to vote in your upcoming municipal elections. I'm outside of the city, but I live in a county where we still have a, a education referendum to vote in. So make make sure you don't have something like that too, even if you're outside of the the city where you're at. Um, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea, yes. Pagas, thank you so much for joining the Who's <laughs> podcast. Thank you for having me on. I, you know, old me would have been very anxious to do things like podcasts, but last especially year me is very excited to be able to get on and do this especially since it gives me a platform to talk about things people need to need to know so i i really at this point appreciate every platform that i'm given to where i can educate or just inform or just make people feel like they're not alone this platform's always open for you thanks for uh coming by i appreciate it again that was my interview with Chelsea McDonald, co-founder of Mad Voters Indiana. You know, Scottish peace activist and Oxford Research Group founder Scylla Elworthy said, quote, Whenever there is injustice, there is anger, and anger is like gasoline. If you spray it around and somebody lights a matchstick, you have an inferno. But... Anger inside an engine is powerful. It can drive us forward and get us through dreadful moments and give us power. End quote. This comports with the earlier quote I shared from the Dalai Lama. We can let anger burn us up from within or direct it outward. MAGA Republican fascists and propagandists are attempting to direct that anger to destruction, spraying it around and begging someone to light the match while maintaining plausible deniability. This is stochastic terrorism. Activists like Chelsea, on the other hand, are out there in the community, organizing, building the powerful engines of reform. Our righteous anger can be the fuel for positive change. But first, you've got to get mad. I want you to get mad! I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to... I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! That clip was from the 1976 movie Network. Our first clip today was from a 1991 episode of Ren and Stimpy. That's it for now. If all goes well, I'll be back next week. 
This has been the Who's Left Podcast. I'm Scott Aaron Rogers. Love each other, Indiana.